welcome to another episode of Worth Watching Once. I'm Brady, also joined by Thais. And this week we're doing, I'm thinking of ending things. And wow. Can I just say, (laughs) I'm thinking of ending things after this movie. (laughs) I don't think I want to do this anymore. (laughs) (laughs) This might be our last episode. I don't know. It it wasn't that it wasn't that bad. <laughs> I think we're we're kind of on the same page right now. I I didn't love this movie. I thought it was. It, let me just kick off to. I think this is probably going to be like a spoiler episode. Yeah, I, I think it's like impossible to talk about this movie without spoilers. So just want to throw that out now. If that's going to bug you out, go watch mm-hmm. it and then come back, or or just skip it entirely. I'd say skip um, it. But, you know, I put on this movie last night. I watched probably an hour or about half of it. And I just, I kept dozing and I was just so bored. It was just like, it was not captivating me at all. And I really wanted to like it. I am oh a big Charlie Kaufman fan. I say that like, I'm, I mean, I just liked a few movies that he did back in the, the late nineties, two thousands. Now that I think about it, like, he wrote Being John Malkovich. He wrote Adaptation, which is an unbelievable movie. I think he won an Oscar for it because it was an adaptation of a book. Uh, he wrote uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which I loved back in the day. Again, I was like young emo, you know, high school Brady. Thought that was an unbelievable movie. I haven't seen it since, but those are three movies that like, you know, I saw within the span of a few years and loved them all. I was like, oh, Charlie Coffin's amazing. This is the first time I've seen a movie he's directed. I haven't seen a movie directed by him ever. And in fact, when I was looking at the list of movies he's directed, I've, I only even recognized one. He directed Schenectady, New York back in like 2008. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman was in it. I've never seen it. Um, so this is the first movie I've seen that was actually directed by him. And I don't know. I don't know. There's so much to talk about. It's You hated it. Yeah. And before before we talk about what our our thoughts were on it, let's just do a quick description (laughs) of the movie. On Netflix, what the description was is nothing is as it seems when a woman experiencing misgivings about her new boyfriend joins him on a road trip to meet his parents at their remote farm. (laughs) That is like wildly superficial i think for what the movie is actually about and i mean maybe even misleading was there usually find a description on like google do does google have a different description yeah google actually i feel like they were even more lazy with it they just said full of misgivings a young woman travels with her new boyfriend to his parents secluded farm Uh, (laughs) i mean yeah I mean, but in a at the nutshell. same time, like, <laughs> what, what do you say this movie's about? And also, it was listed as a thriller, which yes. that's, like, wildly inaccurate, right? Yeah. I think the most thrilling thing about this movie was the fact that it was listed as a thriller. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think what I was hoping for from the movie was, okay, we know it's going to be a little bit weird, because that's just Charlie Kaufman's style, if you're familiar with it. But I was expecting, like we were going to go down a rabbit hole kind of of okay, she gets to the house and like, there's something off. So like, so she shows up to the house and 
the basement door is there and there's scratches on it. It's like taped shut and he's weird about it. And you're like, okay, this, the rabbit hole starting, like we're going to find some weird things about the house. It's slowly going to come out. And I thought they were going to be at the house for like the rest of the movie. It was going to devolve into like this psychological thriller. And I mean, kind of, there was some psychological aspects to it, but it really didn't devolve anything into a thrill or anything like I was expecting or I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. And it was just boring. It was just boring. <laughs> yeah. I'm, um, I went in blind, completely blind, didn't know who directed it. <laughs> Didn't yep. know anything there was to know. I just read the synopsis. I did watch, okay, so maybe not completely blind, but I did watch like, I don't know, maybe like a minute of one of those like two and a half long previews like on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And the preview made it seem like this movie was going to be about time traveling. <laughs> so in my head, I'm like, oh, this is going to be an epic movie where you're not going to know like if she's in the present the past like the whole time you're going to be asking when is this and like the full twist is going to be like she was the mother all along or you know she was never there to begin with or like i was expecting like this huge twist of I mean, like fair so far <laughs> like what you've said is like kind of spot on is it though yeah yeah i think it's, so i don't think this movie had anything to do with what i just said <laughs> I disagree completely <laughs> except for the mother thing like she wasn't the mother but well, yeah like, or like probably. she she was so like in the preview it showed like the scene of her spoilers but you already said it um the scene where they're looking at um her and Jake her as an unnamed woman because even the subtitles just kept calling her a young woman which I thought was interesting um so unnamed woman and Jake are looking at the family portraits in the living room and mm-hmm. she sees like a picture of a little kid and she's like, who's that? And he's like, that's me. And she's like, no, no, that's me. And like that showed in the preview. And then like it cuts into like images of her, like walking through the school halls and seeing people dancing. And then she kind of like turns and like looks at the camera and like breaks the fourth wall. Like I thought it was going to be like one of those things where we're like, we're inside her mind. Like I thought she was the main character. So for this movie to end the way it did and like me reading like, briefly articles online and then like talking to to jared the roommate here i she's like not the main character i'm very upset i'm really upset i wanted this movie to be completely different because i want to i want to talk about that because i went on this and just real quick i mentioned this to you before we started but i i thought this movie was very humbling in that it just made me feel like an idiot and (laughs) what i'm gonna do now is i'm i'm gonna kind of give my take on what I think was going on. I don't want anyone to think that I think that I know what was happening. It's just, this is my take. Like I said, I have no idea, but I'm, I'm going to just, you know, give my perspective on it. Well, actually, if it makes you feel better, IndieWire.com, there's an article. It says Charlie Kaufman's guide to I'm thinking of ending things. The director explains its mysteries. And the first quote, it says, I let people have their experiences, so I don't really have expectations of what people are going to think. I really do support anyone's interpretation. I like that. That's a good Charlie Kaufman take. So (laughs) I I take that way. Let's cut that. I'm right. We'll just go with I'm right. I'm I'm just kidding. But so, you know, it was kind of a journey. Like at first, I thought this was about 
you know, one of my first notes was I just wrote MPDG, which is Manic Pixie Dream Girl. So for the, the listeners who aren't familiar with that trope, the Manic Pixie Dream Girl is kind of a stock character. And I actually looked up the background on it because it's always fun to put a little fun fact. And according to Wikipedia, I was actually film critic Nathan Rabin who coined the term after observing Kristen Dunn's character in Elizabethtown, 2005 movie. I think uh, it was a Cameron Crowe movie with Kristen Dunst and uh, Orlando Bloom. And he said that the Manic Pixie Dream Girl exists solely in the fevered imaginations, I'm quoting him now, of sensitive writer-directors to teach broodingly soulful young men to embrace life and its infinite mysteries and adventures. And this, this stock character is said to help their men without pursuing their own happiness. And as such, those characters never grow up and thus the men never grow up. So when she was in the, the car at the beginning, I felt like this movie was going to take that stock character and tell a movie from her perspective as opposed to the, the male perspective. You know, you, movies with that stock character like uh, Garden State and um, uh, any movie with Zoe Deschanel, uh, you know, 500 Days of Summer. Yeah. Um, it's told from the male perspective and the, the woman, the magazine dream girl is there to kind of help the men along in their journey. And I thought maybe in this case, she was going to be the main character and it was going to kind of flip it around that I dropped that at a certain point. So on the second car ride after they left the house, mm -hmm. it kind of clicked that this movie wasn't about her at all. Cause when they were at the house, the, the time kept changing right yeah like the mom and dad came down and uh it was played by the the mother was played by tony collette who was fantastic she oh was my god dad. she's the greatest and uh david Doolis, who is also a great uh british actor mm -hmm. and they came down and i thought uh david's hair looked the father's hair looked very gray and then yep. like the next scene it didn't yep and i just thought i it was lighting or something i didn't know but then later on it was like the next scene, he looked super old. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, there is something happening here with time. Yeah. And then it was obvious with the mother where she was, you know, young and then old and then like on her deathbed. And I realized something too, in the second time they were in the car heading back from the house, I thought she had a different outfit on. Yeah. Now, I didn't rewind it, but I thought, you know, looking back in the house, did, were her outfits changing over and over again? Yeah. And there was also... And her earrings sort of changed, actually. You know what? Maybe her outfit did change more than I think. Because her earrings changed. She was had hoops earring, but like hoops. Um, but when they were in the house, I'm pretty sure they were just like dangly gold ones. No, I'm not sure. And, <laughs> and also when I was... When I first started writing in my notes about her, I called her Lucy, I think, because mm -hmm. in the car he made a reference to something or she did. And he said, Oh, like you, like your name, yep. Lucy. Well, I think without actually saying, you know, calling her Lucy. Right. But then, then there were the phone calls. Each time she got a phone call, it was a different name popping up. Yeah. Um, uh, looking back, I realized that there was a different reason for her needing to get back, you know, on the way there was a paper later on at the house, she had to get back from work. Mm -hmm. um, their, their stories for meeting changed a couple of times. 
And yeah. so I, I, what I realized about halfway through was that, you know, this movie is actually about him. And I think that he is reflecting on these different relationships that he had. And each time he would bring a different young woman, a new girlfriend home to meet his parents. And he was doing this at different stages of his life and his parents' life. And that's why at different times, his parents were young and old and very, very old. And uh, there were times when the dog was there. Jimmy was there and alive. Mm -hmm. Later on, Jimmy was, uh, the dog was in an urn, presumably, that urn or whatever it was, the picture of him. Um, so I think that, you know, the way the movie played with time, you couldn't really tell that was going on when they were at the house. Obviously, you knew they were kind of jumping around, but it was just kind of bizarre storytelling rather than, I think it was, it all took place in his head and it was this reflection back on his life and, and that he really just wanted to find a woman who, who loved him and that he loved and he, he never got that. You know, every time he brought a woman home, they always wanted to leave immediately and they kept thinking of ending things every single time, you know, I'm thinking of ending things. And he could always kind of tell when they were thinking <laughs> that because he had had that experience so many times. It was like this sick groundhog day for him where he kept bringing new girlfriends home. You know, they had met different ways each time and, and whatever else. And each time he just, he could recognize that they're thinking of ending things. And, you know, there was a lot of other stuff, symbolism and all that, that I didn't really quite pick up on. Like, you know, they stop at the, the ice cream place mm -hmm. and there was the, the young woman with the rashes on her arms and she was warning the unnamed young woman about leaving and talking about varnishing shelves in the back. I don't know what that was all about. Um, you know, maybe that's just a way of representing the, the secrets that, that uh, Jake is harboring and just like maybe the basement was that know harboring these these secrets no I don't want you to explore that part of of who I am because I think you know as a young woman dating a new guy and you know they're sitting at the dinner table and he has a that quick outburst mm -hmm. at his parents remember that he freaked out about yeah. the genus genius it's like <laughs> the best you know, line this, in the movie <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, that, that was a good scene. And there was a, you know, he had that outburst and you're like, ooh, okay. Jake is revealing this like darker, angrier side of himself. And maybe that's what, you know, the basement represents. He doesn't want his new girlfriend to see that, that part of him. Uh, when they stop for ice cream, maybe the, the varnish had something to do with that. I have no idea what that was all about. It was super random. But I think that and again, this is why I want to say uh, the thing about spoilers is you know that at the end of the movie, he's in the truck, and he starts to strip. He gets completely naked, and for listeners who aren't familiar with with what he's doing there, he's suffering from severe hypothermia. Once you've reached the end stages of hypothermia, you for whatever reason strip strip down. You feel extremely hot, and you just get naked. And I think that's what he was doing. I think that he was committing suicide and he killed himself by freezing to death. And then he, you know, I don't know if he actually stripped off and walked back in the school or if he was imagining it, but you know, the, the animated pig would suggest that maybe he was imagining it. Mm -hmm. And that pig 
you know, from earlier in the movie was a representation of death because he got to the house and the pig was dead. That was super bizarre, by the way. That, or just like lambs there dead. Yeah. And he was like, no big deal. But I think that pig was a representation of death and leading him to to death. And, uh, you know, something else that that Nobel Peace Prize at the end, I did not pick up on what that was. Um, IMDb Trivia helped me out with that. Oh. Earlier in the movie, you know, they were in his bedroom. And according to the trivia, I didn't pick up on this, but I did notice there were some strange books and movies. He had a beautiful mind there. Mm-hmm. And A Beautiful Mind is a great movie. I don't know if you've ever seen it. An incredible uh, Ron Howard, Russell Crowe movie. And um, this isn't really a spoiler. It's based on a true story. But at the end, the, the guy is older and receives a Nobel Peace Prize for the work he did on, on game theory. And I think that that's the tie-in to the end there. He was um, you know, imagining a different sort of life that he had, he had lived. Mm-hmm. And he has uh, you know, the, the stock girlfriend, the stock character girlfriend there who's, you know, cheering him on and presumably they grew old together. And, you know, he lived this different life where if only he had been loved and gotten loved, then he would have been this completely different person who wasn't a janitor, but who was a, a Nobel Peace Prize recipient. Mm-hmm. And I just ran through for like five minutes. After, after kind of breaking it down and discussing it, I, I have a deeper respect for the movie. I think, I think that that is a great uh, area of the, of the psyche and the human experience to explore. I, I think that they, I think Charlie Kaufman could have edited the movie in a, in a different way to make it a bit more enjoyable. I still mm-hmm. don't think it was like a joy to watch, mm-hmm. but I do think it's a joy to think about and to talk about because of the way it, it explores relationships and how they affect us and, um, and the lives that we think that we could have led if only we had what we presume to be a missing piece. Yeah. And rant, I think. No, I, it's funny because so before, before hearing your theory on the movie, I, at the, like the second half of the movie, <laughs> Uh, or sec- well, I don't know what time is anymore at this movie. So at the end, when they're at the school and she like loses, you know, track of him, she meets the janitor and then she starts like walking around the school. And then there's like that big ballet dance scene. At that yeah. point, I was like, oh, we're in his fantasy. Like this has all just been a big daydream. And so I ended the movie thinking like, these are all just daydreams that he had. Like, I feel like the whole movie was just like a, a daydream and so I think like adding that plus what you said now the movie kind of makes more sense <laughs> so I think you do have like what what the movie well what the what, just I, I think the point you're getting at one of the first things I picked up on is you know the movie opens in that old house where she's talking about the the house and the loneliness and the memories and right away I was like all right this is going to be an allegory and I think that's what the whole movie was. It was an allegory for all those things that we just talked about. And I think the dance number was that too. I think, you know, besides the ice cream stand, which I really have no idea what that was about. I think that the the dance number, my interpretation of it was that he, he the like 
you know, suave, cool guy that she was dancing with. That's who Jake wanted to think of himself as. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like a daydream. Like that was his fantasy. Like we were seeing his fantasy. Exactly. Yeah. It was, it was a a representation of who he wanted to be. And, And we all have this, you know, ideal person that we are, but then, you know, the reality steps in and we're not that ideal person. I think that was the representation of the janitor coming in and like, Ooh, that's the real Jake. He came from the basement. He came up and he's not just this, you know, super cool suave guy all the time. Who's, you know, charming the woman he just met at trivia. There's also this deeper, more complex human behind that. And I think he was, that was a representation of how he was looking at, you know, himself versus who he actually is and how that affected his relationships because he essentially the real him ended up killing the relationship and that that's how he was looking at it. that was my interpretation of what that because that was a totally bizarre out of nowhere scene like mm-hmm. you know a lot of the rest of the movie but that was my interpretation of it yeah and i think because it was so like out of the blue that's what made me think it was like his fantasy because of him mentioning that he's into musicals and now they're performing i because i knew the song i had to look it up because i was like this song sounds really familiar it is from oklahoma like that's like the whole theme of it the song he sings at the end also oklahoma talking about how he just wants to find a wife and whatever um so that's why i was like okay like this is just his fantasy of like how he wanted things to have been like he openly talks about how high school was bad you know he didn't have a good time there people pick on him i think maybe like the ice cream stand that is part of it too it's just like a look at to as like at how people would treat him that's a really good point because you had like the two cool girls there who are like mm-hmm. you know looking at him and laughing and yeah and i think the the other girl was kind of like representative of him as well she also because he had the same rashes on his arm oh yeah when he goes to pick up the ice cream, they both, they have like mashing, matching like rashes. I didn't pick up on that. Um, and she mentions, um, how does she say it? Like she, she says something about like, oh, like you're, you're pretty, but not like that type of pretty or something. And the main character takes it, you know, not weird, but like it could be taken badly. And then she's like, no, no, that's not what I mean. Like, it's just like some people are pretty in their own way and maybe we're all just suffering or something and like that made me think of him as like mm-hmm. that's in his head like that's how he's imagining he like he wants to blame other people but he's like you know what? we're probably all struggling so I can't like b- going back to like that conversation they had about um like just blaming mothers for homosexuality and he was like well wouldn't it be great if we could just like blame that one source mm-hmm. and like that's where it I think at that point in the movie it made me it I started to realize that it was more about him than it was about unnamed what's her face. And then it makes more sense of why she's unnamed because like, if you're the main character, like you would have a name and like the whole movie, the only person that has a name is Jake. Like mom and dad right. don't have a name. Like none he of the... calls them mom and dad. Yeah. He wouldn't refer to them by their real names. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and she couldn't have a name because then it would just be one person as opposed to, you know, a slew of, of yeah. women who dated him at some point. And like her changing into the the character from that movie that he liked in the middle of the car, like in the middle of the ride. 
Do you yeah. know? Yeah, that, that was. Yeah, that was. Uh, that was actually the point when I shut it off last night. Because <laughs> I kind of. Well, what happened was, you know, I I kept like just in my mind, you know, something would happen in the movie, or they'd say something. I'd kind of just go off on this thinking tangent, mm. and then I'd I'd all of a sudden go, Whoop, "Oh, the movie's still going," <laughs> yes. and she was doing that voice, and I was like, yes. "Okay, I'm." I just I just got lost for a minute because she's doing like this old like you know, old timey voice of okay. what I presume to be like an older actress. But yeah, I that's when I was like, I need to shut this off and like really <laughs> focus tomorrow on it. And thank you for saying that, because that's also where I fell asleep. <laughs> and then I had to go back and rewatch it. And I caught that, too. I was like, why is she doing that accent? Because I think the whole time I wanted her to be British <laughs> and like. I don't know, like suddenly it started like changing. And I was like, wait a second, is she really British? I was like, have I missed it? And then like her accent would change throughout like the whole, like for the rest of the movie, I felt like it was changing. Because she was different people. Because she was different people. I like that. Okay, so I'm getting a little more respect for it. I will say, I think the only, well, before we talked, (laughs) because I was trying to think of like things that I actually liked about this movie. And the only thing I had, (laughs) literally one thing, I appreciated that the ride to the house was shorter than the ride back home because isn't that the truth? <laughs> like the ride to the destination seems so quick. And then when you want to get home, the road is so long. <laughs> and also it was an absolute blizzard. Oh my it God. Chains on the tires. The, okay. Do people actually put chains in their tires? Cause I was thinking, should I get chains for my tires? <laughs> that. I mean, that was, that used to be a thing. I don't yeah. know if people still do that. I feel like tire technology is advanced, but. Mm. Yeah, that tire technology. <laughs> uh, something else that I noticed right away about the movie was it was um, filmed in a, a four three. Oh my God, yeah. Ratio. I paused it and I was like, is this going to be it for the whole movie? And then I was like, maybe. Cause again, I was still thinking it was going to be like a time travely, like we're in her mind type of deal. So I thought right. that maybe like when she's like lucid, the screen would be like that. And then like when things are going to get weird, like it's going to expand. Like I, w- I thought that they were going to play with that. And then um, Jared actually looked it up and he was like, no, it's the full movie. Like there's nothing wrong with our Netflix. And I was like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> great all right I guess we're watching in this little tiny screen and it was at some points I would forget that it was small and then the camera would pan over to see him like put on the music or like pan over Mm -hmm. to see him like put the fire or like when they were taking the dishes from the table and going into the kitchen when she was clearing up the table at dinner and the camera kept like panning over to show like all the characters that's when I, I almost got like anxious because I just wanted all four people to be on the screen at the same time. They're all talking. So why wouldn't all four of them be on the screen at the same time? So like it was, it was driving me nuts. Um, But it only, only in those specific scenes where it was panning. Otherwise, like I kind of forgot that it was even a thing. Yeah. I kind of forgot about it too. And I, I just, it's one of those things you notice right away, especially Mm -hmm. these days, every TV is widescreen. So you see those, the black bars on the side (laughs) and it's a little rattling. Yeah. Um, I felt like I was playing I, in 64. I figured it was just, uh, yeah, I figured it was just an artistic choice. Mm-hmm. Four or three. I did. Th- I, I, I also liked how the parents were, they were never the same age at the same time. And I right. noticed the band aid on the father switch sides. Um, when he first comes down the stairs, it's um, well, like on our left, I guess his right. And then he goes young. And then when he goes back to being old, it's now on the opposite side. 
And then like seeing him like deteriorating, right? Like he's losing his mind. I'm thinking like, oh my God, he probably just like fell and hit his head, you know? Or like he left the cabinet door open. He bent down, went back up and hit his, like banged his head. Like that's, I started thinking that I was like, why would he have a ginormous bandaid on his forehead? I'm like, oh yeah, he probably just like slipped in the shower or like just like regular, like, I don't know. (laughs) It's just, it was kind of cute. I thought his character was charming. I loved the parents a lot. I wish we got to see more of them because again, like that was a synopsis. It was like girlfriend and boyfriend go to parents' house. Why was it only 20 minutes of a two hour and 15 long movie that we're seeing the parents? <laughs> like yeah. the rest of the movie was just in the car. It was a con- it was like the mundane conversations that you have with your significant other in a car. And I, I think I was mad too, <laughs> because one, the expectation of this movie went completely a different way that I was, you know, hoping for. And two, like I watch movies to forget about real life. And I guess I just wasn't in the mood for sitting in a car with someone for so long driving (laughs) in the snow. It just, it felt like I was in the car with them and I was like having the same arguments with them, even though like part of it, like I didn't, cause they were like, you know, naming random poets and things. And I was like, I don't know who any of those people are, but I agree with her. <laughs> whatever she says like I agree with. um yeah. but yeah it was just it was it was very weird and I just I wanted more I really wanted it to be a time travel thing like when they first get to the farm and he's like let's go around the house like I don't want to go inside the house yet right and he like takes her around the farm so like weird. into the barn and I don't know if you saw in the background one of the barn doors just like opened yes and I was like oh my God, that's going to be her from the future, like hiding in that barn door. Like we're going to be able, like all these like little things is going to be like her time trap. And like when she gets a phone call, cause he calls her Lucy. Right. And then the first phone call she gets is from a Lucy. And I was like, that's her in the past calling the future to tell her to end yeah. things and not get in the car with him. Like I was picturing all these, like, cause it's a thriller. I was expecting the, the thrill. So we thought, <laughs> oh man, I was, yeah. And okay. Very also confused. So beginning of the movie, she's narrating, makes me feel like she's the main character. She's like waiting on the, on the, on the side. Actually, yeah, her outfit did change because she had a red coat on in the beginning of the movie. It was a red coat and a red hat. And, and then when they left, it was a blue okay. coat. Yeah, it was definitely blue. That's when I was like, wait a minute. I don't think she had blue scarf, blue jacket yeah. on. You're right. The dress, I feel like, was the same. Like the sweater over the dress was the same. <clears> with like Aspects her of her outfit for sure changed, though. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I just, I noticed her hair cause I was contemplating cutting my hair. Women do that. Anyways. So. Oh, I do that too. <laughs> Especially now. Um, but I don't know where I was going with. Oh, right. In the beginning of the movie. So she's, she's like waiting for the car and then there's a, an old man staring out the window. And then she kind of like looks back and like, sees like the, like, she's like focusing on the apartments as she's like narrating, like, I've been seeing this guy for like three months or whatever. And like the timing of them dating keeps changing too. And they, everyone keeps right. talking in the past tense. I don't know if you caught that too, but yeah. like when she's talking to the parents, they're like, oh, I loved my wife. She was so great, blah, blah, blah. Or like the, the main character, unnamed woman would be like, oh, I used to do these things. Or like, I never thought I'd do it again. Or like the, the language just, it was very it didn't fit with what was happening. Like not, no one was saying like, I'm going to do this next mm. or I'm like, everyone always said like, I've, mm. yeah, it was, it was kind of 
Uh, yeah, it was reflective language. I don't know. Anyway, but anyway, so that guy is in the apartment. He's looking out. Yeah. Cuts back to her staring at the apartment, and then the car comes to pick her up, and then it cuts back to the inside the apartment, and now it's a younger man looking out the window, and he's like murmuring something, and then later you hear what he's murmuring when she finally goes to check her voice messages, and that's the the same things that he was murmuring in the beginning of the movie was the message that she listened to on the phone where he's like, I need an answer. Like we need to find the answer now. Oh, right. I forgot about that voicemail. Yeah. 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 So that confused me. Also what confused me was on their initial car ride to the parents, it cut back to the old guy that I assumed was from the apartment because he's sitting there watching like an old TV, like he's watching, um, I don't remember the cartoon, like an old cartoon and like a little tiny TV on his like kitchen table. He's like eating breakfast or something. And then like, I remember thinking to myself, like, when is this? Because that TV is super old. And then the very next scene, she gets a phone call for the first time and she's got an iPhone. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, so we are in the present. Why does he have an old TV? And then it's snowing for them. But then the old guy gets in the truck and it's not snowing. It's like a beautiful, bright, sunny day with no snow on the ground. So I'm like, is this happening simultaneously or is this like in the future? And like what's happening with them going to see the parents is in the past. Like that felt very disconnected as well. Yeah. And when he put the, the car radio on and it was an old car, it was an old car radio. It was an old song playing on the radio. So I was picking up on that stuff too. And, and yeah. I, one of the early notes I wrote was just like, what? what year is it? What time is it? Are they playing with time? And I, I think, yeah. you know, we processed that earlier. We kind of understand that he's kind of reflecting on, on a whole bunch of things that, so it's all jumbled, but uh, have, have you kind of changed your, your thoughts on the movie at all? I think so. Yeah. If, if by saying that this whole movie was basically like a narration of his mind, right? Like it's all his memories because like when we, when we think back to memories, like it's as, it's not as like linear, right. As like how we experience time. Like when we think back, like it it can easily jump from, Oh, I was a sophomore to suddenly it was yesterday to all of a sudden I was in a car accident. And it's like, you can think about all those things at the same time. So then everything gets jumbled. So it makes sense of why his parents like would be changing their age it would make sense of why all the women he's bringing home are you know nameless and <laughs> and at the end of the day they're all mm-hmm. basically the same because it all ended the same way and then it yeah like hearing his yep. I think the arguments because that's the, the funny part too if we're thinking about like this this was just a reflection of his mind um, and memories he would be going back to those times where he he contemplated like, what if this was the reason why she broke up with me? Like, what would, what if this was the the straw that broke the camel's back? Like our argument about baby, it's cold outside being a rape song. What if like, <laughs> like, cause I, I mean, how many of us like go to bed at night and then like, you're trying to fall asleep and then suddenly your brain's just mm. like, remember that time when you like farted and like everyone like heard you and you're like, I didn't, but yeah, now I have to think about that and feel embarrassed and try to sleep with that thought. And like, that's probably if we are going with that theory of it being his mind like that's why we're focusing on these like sad moments because that's what our minds do like we do that to ourselves all the time like he's trying to find a reason of like why he is the way he is like he wants to blame his mom or he wants to blame the the mean girls that never gave him any you know respect or 
or he's blaming himself. He's like, maybe I, I didn't do enough. Like maybe I didn't agree with them enough. Like maybe I'm too smart or maybe I'm not mm-hmm. smart enough. Like it was at times, like I found him kind of like pompous and just like an ass. I'm just like, we get it. You're smart. Get over it. And then other times, like he was very meek and he's like, I'm so sorry. You're right. Like, I agree with everything you say, like whatever you say, like, just yep. please like love me. Like, I just want to be loved. Um, so yeah. And he wanted people to think that he was smart too. He had this like mm-hmm. desire to be thought of as smart and, and charming. Yeah. Cause like what man, I mean, yeah, it, I guess this was basically like a love letter to males out there <laughs> who have ever felt that way. Uh, because like, yeah, even in the dance scene, right. He's like dancing with her and he's charming. And then suddenly the janitor comes and steals her away. And he's like, no, I'm going to save my girl because what <laughs> person doesn't or male doesn't think like that's like heroic, right? Like saving a woman is, is manly. Like that's the definition of being a man. Like I'm going to protect her. I'm going to be everything right. she needs. Like I can be charming and loving, but I'm going to protect her. Like that's how, how I took it as like, oh yeah, he gets to be the hero. He killed yeah. the guy. Like he's he's the hero. He saved her. So, but I don't know. I guess he was just lonely all the way up to the end. So the old guy, the janitor, is him, right? Thousand percent. <laughs> I, I would. We say all are in agreement. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, maybe the the ice cream joint was his like safe space. Like he would like run away from home and go there. And like, like that's the one part of his childhood that he liked. That's why he keeps going back. But then like, as the generation just keeps getting younger and making fun of him, like it's now becoming like a bad place yeah. for him to go to. Or maybe the varnish thing like really did happen. Like maybe there was varnish in the basement and that's how he got his rashes. Like maybe his parents didn't protect him from that, you know? And then like kids made fun of him for having like a skin condition when he didn't know it was just because his parents didn't cap the whatever chemical that like got on his skin and he wants to blame his parents and he can't like. Yeah, that's a good point. There's probably something dark going on there. Yeah. Cause there was like one scene it's like a flash of a, like a memory and you see his parents arguing um, over the stove. And I, and I don't remember what the conversation it was that he was having with, with the girl at the time, but it was like a split second. You're just watching like the parents arguing. And then he comes back to like reality. And like, I'm wondering like, maybe things weren't great at home. Like maybe they really were always fighting. Cause like when um, it was right after dinner, and they're waiting in the living room, like right before they, they do the whole like picture thing. Um, she's on like the rocking chair and he's just like standing, like basically staring at the, <laughs> the camera. And um, you're hearing like murmuring in the background of like his parents, mm-hmm. like arguing. And he's very like intently like listening. And she's like, what's wrong with you? Like, why aren't you listening? Like what? Like, come over here. Like, let's talk. Like, and you can tell that he's like focused on them arguing. And it's like, maybe that's because like his whole life, like his parents really were just like always arguing yeah. and he gets worried and I don't know. So yeah, I think between the two of us, we cracked it. Finger guns. I think we figured it out. And you know, I, going into it, I was, I was, I was pretty torn on if it was worth watching once. I think it helps to process it mm-hmm. and having processed it, I, you know, I still don't know if it's something that I would recommend. I'm not going to like be hitting people up saying you have to watch this movie. Yeah. 
but it's a, a it's the kind of movie that you know, helps you think about these kind of things and, and if you're into that i'd recommend it uh, but it was i i thought it was boring yeah it was a boring movie and there's no getting around that mm-hmm. yeah i feel like it could have been directed a little differently too if it is what we're thinking like if that was really his idea of you know of how this movie should have gone because maybe that was like um Kaufman's like you know maybe this is his diary put into like <laughs> like movie form like what if this is really what he experienced like growing up um well he adapted it from a book the book right but the, I, so I don't there was know like a, a lot about it so uh he actually it's funny you mentioned that thing for bringing that up at the end um when the credits start rolling also the credits are the tiniest thing i had to walk up to the tv to be able to read it um it says yeah adapted from a book by it was like ian but like yanni i don't know i read it as ian but i knew there was more letters than for ian so i know it's not ian and i'm not looking it up but (laughs) um and then it says co-produced by the same character guy so the guy who wrote the book got to also produce the movie so he like maybe had some say in it which is interesting because then like if he wrote the book and then He's talking to this director and he's like, yeah, you're doing exactly what I envisioned in my book. Great job. I would hate to read this book. <laughs> yeah, it's, like if it's uh, that slow in word form, my God, I would read like two words and fall asleep. <laughs> it was written in 2016 by Ian Reed. It is Ian. Isn't there like an extra I in there? Or an extra A? I-A-I-N. Yeah. See, there's an extra I. Is that still Ian? Uh, the people I know who spell like that have always been Ian, but, uh, Oh, you know, people that spell it like that. I've worked with folks who spell like that. Yeah. It's, uh, usually a a British spelling. Typically this guy's Canadian. So kind of in the same vein. Neat. Uh, just, uh, two things I want to mention. We we talked about them the entire time, but Jesse Plemons who played Jake, he's fantastic. Uh, he's awesome he was in friday night Lights, the tv show um so some people know him from that other people know him from breaking bad where he played an absolute sicko um they're like total opposite characters but he was unbelievable in both and he's in a bunch of movies too he's in the irishman you know what i know him from what do you know him from an episode of black mirror and the first time i saw him in black mirror Yeah, I was like, oh, he's like a poor man's Matt Damon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, they kind of have a they kind of have a similar look. I totally agree with you. Yeah, the, uh, you agree the with USS Callister, uh, I think, was the episode, and uh, that was an awesome episode. Um, I yeah. did not know Jesse Buckley. Uh, she which is one's in Irish. Oh, the main character. Yeah, she's an Irish actress. The only thing yeah. I've seen her in is Chernobyl. Which and I still is, haven't seen that. <laughs> I highly, highly recommend it. Uh, one of the a, best our other podcast. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'd, I'd recommend you check that out. I yeah. don't think I've seen anything else that she's in. She's in the new season of Fargo, which actually Jesse Plemons was in an, an earlier season of Fargo, season two. Oh. Uh, I've not seen the new season yet. So that's probably the next thing I'll see uh, Jesse Buckley in. The father, I know him from harry potter and that's all i could think about the whole time was just harry potter yep. 
Um, and then I think the first thing I ever saw Tony, um, I'm just going to say Tony, like she's my best friend and was, um, the first thing I ever saw her in was little miss sunshine. And so every time I see her, I just think of that movie and I just get so happy because that was an amazing movie. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Awesome movie. Um, she was in, um, Knives Out recently. Yes, she was, was so and good in that. If you want a terrifying movie, Hereditary. Oh yeah, she was in a couple of years ago. And um, the the most recent TV show I saw her in was, was a ne- well, it was on Netflix. Um, called Unbelievable, about like mm-hmm. a serial rapist. She plays um a cop and ugh, yeah. just a ball buster. Like I I just love her. I feel like any role that she plays, she just brings it. I love her. She She's does. great. Yeah. The um, Colby Manifi, I don't know how to pronounce her last name. The the other redhead <laughs> in the movie. Do you recognize her from The Boys? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She was the assistant. Yeah. yeah. I, I, she was a classic. Where have I seen her? I just couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't figure out until I looked her up. Yeah. She's been in a couple things, but yeah. The Boys was. Uh, definitely it. And then did you pick up on who voiced the pig at the end? Because his voice sounded so familiar to me. And then I had to look it uh, up. It was Oliver Platt. Yeah. Right? I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> so the only reason I know that is because a bunch of people in the movie were in Fargo. He was in Oliver Platt in season one of Fargo. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Thewlis was in a, a, a season of Fargo, just like Jesse Plemons was and uh, Jesse Buckley. There were like four characters who were in uh, a season of Fargo. And it's a, um, each season is standalone. Mm-hmm. So they do a different story every season. I don't think I knew that. That's cool. I never watched it, so. <laughs> good show. There's a lot of good shows, though. A lot of good shows, a lot of good Netflix original movies to get through. Oh, yeah. Um, but we wouldn't be able to get through any of these uh, without our sponsors. This week we got we got lucky with a sponsor. Um, we went back and forth a little bit. <laughs> uh, they didn't like my take on the movie, but they uh, still wanted to sponsor us in hopes that you know our listeners, who are not as ignorant as I, <laughs> would um, enjoy their products. Come on down to Tulsi Town for some old-fashioned oaky ice cream. Does it feel like you've lost your way in a snowstorm, but really it's just a metaphor for how you've been feeling like you've lost your way in life, craving that creamy richness of existential ennui? Try our, but what am I really doing here, butter pecan? You'll love our meditation on morality moose tracks. Looking for something lighter? Try our new pig maggot mint chip. It's not what you think. Tulsi Town ice cream. Were you ever even really here? Thank you to our sponsor, Tulsi Town Ice Cream. Without you, we would still be in an existential crisis. <laughs> I think it's brilliant. <laughs> For those of you who have seen the movie, definitely hit us up and just send us, you know, what you what you think the movie was actually all about. Let us know if you agree or disagree, want to add to stuff, want to take out some things, you know. Maybe at the end, we'll just kind of quilt all our ideas together. And then we'll mm. send it to Charlie Kaufman himself and be like, listen, I like this is what your viewers truly think. Were we right? And then maybe he'll just send us like a little like winky face back and we'll know we're right. Or he'll send us like the like emoji. I know no one can see this. The podcast and I'm <laughs> describe what I'm doing. <laughs> the shrug. The shrug. <laughs>
check us out on Instagram at worth watching once um, or hit us up on Twitter at WW one pod. We'd love to hear um, your thoughts, your feelings. Let us know how much you just love this movie or hated it and what other movies we should be checking out. And anyone who gives us the best suggestions will give them a t-shirt with our logo on it. See you next time.